Hello guys and welcome to Watson Premier League tips and predictions for the Boxing Day for the 19th match day with Tom Rennie, of course. How are you, Tom? I'm I'm doing well. I'm hoping we get 10 games across the Boxing Day weekend of, of games. Fingers crossed. My plans are it's happening. There should be a bet, actually. How many games will be played on Boxing Day? <laughs> Probably there is some bet around. Uh, I wouldn't bet on 10, actually, no. but still some days. Let's see. We are going to analyze every single game, and then we will see. Guys, ask any question to Tom. He knows everything about pandemics, about football, about everything. And don't forget to click on the like and subscribe to our channel. Let's go on with the show now. First thing, as a disclosure, of course, be careful and check the lineups, check which players are going to feature in the games, because we don't know what is going to happen, which games are going to be played, as we are seeing in the Premier League, we are having some trouble, but things as stands, Tom, I think we can analyze the games and see then which players are going to be fit for the games, and the yeah. first one we have... The early kickoff uh, for the Boxing Day, there are two actually, is Liverpool leads and as we can say right now, the normal thing is to see a thrashing hammering result from Liverpool against Leeds because Leeds, they've been very poor in the recent games. Yeah. 11 goals conceded, 4 against Arsenal, 7 against uh, Man City. I'm not sure if you liked uh, the performance of Liverpool against Tottenham in a good Football game, but I'm sure we can expect many goals here, at least from the Liverpool side. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is worth reiterating your first point that I would probably delay my bets until maybe the morning of these games, because I, I think the odds are really going to fluctuate as we get towards the weekend. So keep checking back on Oddspedia for the fluctuations in it, because if we get the announcement on Boxing Day, this game is going ahead, but there's no Salah, no Mane, no Jota things are going to change and you might get something quite nice on Leeds at that point. At this moment in time, around 20 to 1 is not decent for Leeds United. It's accurate, but it's not decent and I certainly wouldn't back Leeds. Uh, briefly on Liverpool, I think they played okay at Tottenham Hotspur. I think Tottenham not having a game for so long gave them time to work with Conte, something you and I discussed when the first game was, was called off. They clearly had time to work with him. Um, there was a clear plan to knock the ball over the top to a front two, a proper front two, which is not something Tottenham have done. They have had a front three and two up front with Kane in behind. They've tried things with Nuno and Mourinho and Ryan Mason. Um, and they're obviously trying something now under Antonio Conte they weren't doing before. So that was a Conte plan against Liverpool, which I think worked to pretty decent effect across the game. Though I will say that Liverpool dealt with that plan as the game went on, got stronger as the game went on. And if Paul Tierney wasn't having a complete meltdown, the referee in the game, Tottenham would have been down to 10 in the first half. Uh, and it's a totally different game of football. Jota gets a penalty for that, you know, clear penalty on him. Uh, so Liverpool played reasonably well, probably should have won the game, but sometimes luck's not on your side. And it is worth listing who is out currently for this game. Phillips, Robertson, Origi, Henderson, Adrian Van Dijk, uh, Fabinho, Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, Thiago. That's the list I have today as we speak. A few might come back, a few might leave, but that's a massive, massive list. So certainly be wary of that. But if you've got Salah, you're probably going to win.
you know, and as I you know, it didn't work out for, for us last week, but in the same way, I always go Norwich to lose, always double up Liverpool win with Salah to score, maybe Salah to score multiples. You do that, you'll more or less be all right. You could probably throw Diogo Jota in that list as well. I'd expect Liverpool to score at least three against Leeds United, whoever's playing, maybe more. Why? Because I just feel like with all these cancellations, what needs to happen is Leeds games need to be cancelled, not because of COVID specifically, but because it's so depressing. Mm. It's so depressing watching Leeds at the moment because Bielsa requires total commitment, total fitness. I think the commitment's there, but the fitness of the second string that he's had to play for so many weeks, they can't win Premier League games playing in this way. They tried to go toe-to-toe with Manchester City, with their second string. It wasn't ever going to work, and they will do it again here. They will do it again, because that's how Bielsa believes you win football matches, which is true. You know, that point has been proven. He can win football matches and does win football matches like this, but not without Jack Harrison, Liam Cooper, Calvin Phillips, Patrick Bamford, Rodrigo, Pascal Strout, Jamie Shackleton, Daniel James. Charlie Cresswell, Diogo Lorente. And that's just the ones I know about on Tuesday morning. There could be more by the time this game goes ahead. I genuinely think I might get to play. You know, they've got nobody. So whatever happens here, Leeds take a walloping. Go at least three. Go Asian handicap. Do you know what? I would even look at minus four here. I would look at the minus four handicap for Liverpool to still draw or win this game. They're going to batter Leeds United. Double it up with multiple Salah goals and you'll make some money here because Liverpool, just to win on its own, isn't worth your time. Asian handicap minus 2.5 for Liverpool, only pays 2.15. So, as you said, uh, minus 3.5, for instance, 3.5. Odds, if we go heavily on Liverpool, David is going for both teams to score and over 3.5 goals. One took Liverpool half time and full time. All seems very possible. Both teams to score. Not sure. Bielsa's team usually the second, third year. I think the players get tired. We saw it in Athletic Club Bilbao. We saw it in Olympic Marcel. As you said, he needs commitment plus fitness. And commitment is a lack of thing after the second or third year. Also happens mm-hmm. with uh, Antonio Conte's teams, and probably is also happening with these leads. Let's see. If they can survive and stay one more year in the Premier League, then another early kickoff is uh, Wolverhampton. What for? What for also in risk uh, to fall into the bottom three? Luckily for them, the bottom three teams are super bad as well. But <laughs> <laughs> you are always telling me that you like uh, this what for, that they are playing well, but they are not getting the points they deserve. They lost the game against Brentford in the last uh, minutes of the game. And as usual against Wolves, we saw a very close game with Chelsea. Actually, yep. this I'm probably is the only team in the five top leagues. Last seven games of Wolves, under two goals. This is my favourite bet from our last show because I told you, nil-nil. Nil-nil, mm. Wolves-Chelsea. There was no way there was ever going to be a goal in that game. And I sat down and watched it on TV. And I watched the first five minutes and I was so sure I was right. There was not going to be a goal in that game if they'd have played it for 10 more years. Thick fog, Wolverhampton, and both teams don't have a striker. I mean, it was just, it was turgid. And you're welcome that I watched it on your behalf, dear viewer. Um, (laughs) Look, Wolves at the moment, they are very solid. 
Cody, I think, is brilliant. Roman Sace, I think, is brilliant. You know, I, I give you this list every week. Jose Sar, I think, is a good goalkeeper. They are defensively very, very strong. Because of that, there's no offense. There's just no offense. You know, there was a little burst from Huang Hee Chan, and now he's got a hamstring strain, I think, at the minute, but also has, you know, had his burst and then disappeared, which by all accounts is the story of his career. Um, Pedence in and out, Trincao in and out, Jimenez in and out. You know, no one's in form going forward. Adama Traore gets on the pitch, goes off again, offers very little. So Wolves, I'm not surprised to hear that. They won't score more than one in this game if they are to score a goal. Uh, one goal would be an incredible feat. The reason they might do it is because Wolves' best defender, in, in my view, Nicolas Sikulu, remains out. They have to keep playing Truce to Kong who is a, a one-man wrecking ball to his own defence. You know, think Kieran Clark at Newcastle. You know, one of those guys you just can't rely upon in this division. He's just not good enough to play in it, however much effort he puts in. Um, lots of injuries for, for Watford. Ben Foster, Peter Atebo, and Kulu have mentioned. Ismail Asar, um, Messina, Cabaselli. Lots of players missing for Watford. But I do think there's something about the way they've been organised under Claudio Ranieri. I think they look better organised. I think defensively, they've got good cover in front of them in a strong midfield. I really like the signing of Moose Sissoko. I think that's a smart move. And I think his effort and endeavour has, has lifted those at Watford. And they've got goal-scoring threat. No Saar, but they do have King. They do have Dennis, who's in good form. So there's two scorelines I fancy here. Number one is a draw with both teams scoring. 1-1 one, one draw, low scoring. Neither team scores more than that. But I also like the look of Watford at 5-1. I, I know, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for it. Double chance, Watford and draw is where I'm going here. But certainly, any Wolves bet that you do, dear viewer, not more than one goal. No way. Uh, under two goals, actually pays 2.5, something that we are seeing very often, actually, in the last seven games of Wolves. Uh, Wanchuk is going for both teams to score no. That pays 1.95 as well. Something very likely to happen in Wolverhampton games. Uh, in the next one, probably we won't see many goals as well. Burnley, Everton. Burnley already in the bottom three, of course, two points away from Watford. Therefore, they have the chance to get out of uh, the relegation spots uh, in the last seven games. If we want to see the things positive, only one defeat. It was against uh, Newcastle, a team that draws a lot. And Everton, sometimes they get good points, uh, like against Chelsea. But we know how poor they are in this season. Where to go? This is a tipster's nightmare, to be honest, this game. Because with all the variables we discussed already with COVID and players out, you've also got two, two teams that are in such awful form. Awful form, playing terribly week in, week out. Offensively weak, defensively poor. It's the kind of game that could finish nil-nil. And I wish I'd never seen it or it could finish 3-3 and it'll be a thrilling game filled with mistakes and chaos and all sorts. Um, I would err towards caution and go for nil-nil. I would go draw and I would go low scoring. Look, for Burnley, Maxwell Cornet should be back and that will make a massive difference to them. Apart from that, there's no significant injuries, but they do their Burnley thing. There's no reason for me to keep on describing it. 4-4-2, stay in the game. Try and nick it later on. For Everton, the injury list has been a joke. I do feel sorry for Rafa, but Richarlison missing again. Still no Calvert-Lewin. You know, they're talking about potentially making the squad for this one, but I think it's unlikely from what I'm hearing. 
Luca Dina, Tom Davis, Yeri Mina, Andros Townsend, Solomon Rondon, Damari Gray is a doubt, Fabian Delph. You know, we can debate about whether we think those players are good or not, but they're the Everton first team, pretty much. And they're not going to be there. So, tough to predict. I think both teams go for a draw. Both teams show almost no endeavour to go forward. It screams goalless draw, but it certainly screams draw. Draw 3.38, as you said, the lowest scoring game. So, uh, game. Also, the bookies expect that under 2.5 goals, 1.72. Luckily for us, we will see more goals probably in the next one. Of course, in the Etihad, Man City, Leicester City, of course, uh, having Man City eight consecutive victories and they are thrashing every single team in the Premier League. Uh, we should see goals, but also Leicester City is quite entertaining. Very difficult to predict always, but very entertaining. Uh, you were also shocked by the penalty. Actually, I had to see the the replay. I was shocked as well. Why Incredible. this was not a penalty? Pure incompetence is why it wasn't a penalty. I mean, Edison takes out Ryan Fraser. There's a bloke watching it on TV and they go, nah, it's not a penalty, is it? Leave it. Just leave it. And you think, well, no. Let's not talk about clear and obvious. Let's talk about right and wrong. Did he get it right? No. Oh, he got it wrong then, so we change it. But that doesn't seem to be the debate we're having, which is bizarre. Um, on this game, look, this I hate the Christmas period. English people love it. I think it's rubbish. And it's rubbish <laughs> because there's too many games. And what happens is those with big squads win all their games. And those that have got a good first team lose all their games. It happens every year. And Man City pull away every year at this point because they've got such a gargantuan squad. When they beat Newcastle the other day, they didn't even need Grealish and Foden. Didn't need them. wasn't relevant that they weren't there. No one even noticed, you know. And it's so frustrating because everyone's like, oh, no, we must keep it because it's tradition. Bin it, have a game once a week, and then later down the line, Leicester play Man City with their full team and we all get a great game of football. Instead, we get this, what's going to be a debacle, right? At the moment, City don't have Ferran Torres, but he's going to Barcelona. Nobody cares. They've got no Walker, um, and they've got no Delap potentially. Apart from that, everyone is fit for Man City. So, you know, they've got great facilities, but they can keep everyone fit because they're not pushing people too far, right? Unless it's a COVID outbreak, you can play Kevin De Bruyne on Wednesday, and we were like, well, play again in 10 days? Three days off, day with the kids, four days training, miss two games, come back again. It's nonsense. It's garbage. It's complete garbage they do this every year. Um, and for Leicester, they've had injuries all year. We know about Fafana. We know about Evans. Doubts about Soyuncu as well. We know about Justin. But also COVID with Vestergaard, Ayose Perez, Lukman, Iannaccio. It's pathetic that they're going to play this game if they play it. Leicester have got no players left. The defence is decimated. And, you know, if it goes ahead, it's going to be 5-0. And what's the point? And we, ha we have this big like, oh, isn't Guardiola a genius? You know, he is a genius, but he's also got incredible resources. And he would lose more games if we didn't have this stupid Christmas period every year. It's pathetic. So 5-0 minimum. That's my bet. And uh, it's a waste of my time even thinking about this game anymore. All right, let's uh, see if this game goes ahead. Uh, minus two, Asian Handicap minus two, 2.05. Even more, if you want, Tom, minus 3.5, Asian Handicap 4.5 odds. So 
If there is a 5-0, you can bet on that. One choke is going for City, Asian Handicap, minus 1.5. A little bit more cautious. Uh, well, Man City to win, we know that. Then we have Norwich Arsenal, surprisingly, I guess, in this uh, strange uh, December. Arsenal, they are opening a gap in the top four after the victory against Leeds, and they have kind of an easy calendar ahead and I guess they should beat Norris, no? As every single team does in the Premier League. Yep, you've preempted my bet. You, you've seen what I've been doing, haven't you? You've been studying me. Uh, look, n briefly on Norwich, I think at some point this year I might back them to win at some point, maybe near the end of the season because I like what Dean Smith has done. I think they're a couple of signings away from being a competitive bottom Premier League team. Currently they're not. But I mean, again, I'll give you the list. Those that are out or pretend uh, could be out: Omabama Delhi, Zimmerman, Rashitsa, Norman, Zolis, Hanley, who could be out all season. The centre half, huge blow. That is Rupp, Josh Sargent, uh, Lise Malou, and Ozan Kabak. Again, we can debate if any of them are any good or not, but that's the Norwich first team, and most can't play. So it's a joke. Uh, for Arsenal, plenty of players fit. I think the most obvious issue is. Uh, Tommy Yasu might be missing. I think he's been really good, actually. I've been really impressed with him, uh, the fullback for Arsenal. But they've been playing great, Arsenal. You know, I went to the West Ham game. And look, West Ham played poorly, sure. But Arsenal played great. They played really great. They look sharp. They look intense. They look focused. Players are fit at the right time. They've, they managed to, to get rid of the, the massive, expensive noose around their neck, which is a Bamiyang. You know, they don't need him or want him. So get rid. He's old Arsenal. New Arsenal is young, dynamic. It's Martinelli, it's Saka, it's Smith-Rowe, it's Erdegaard. It's not overpaid fancy Dans who go there for a payday. They've done well. They've done well in shifting a lot of deadwood at Arsenal. You've got to give them a lot of credit. Uh, they win here. They win by at least two. I would look for three. And I would look to double it up with Gabriel Martinelli scoring, who has been desperate to get in this first team. He's finally getting in this first team. I would suggest that, you know, people always ask about the corner market. I can see questions coming in about the corners. I don't like the corner market personally. I, th I think it's a bit of a bit of a, a false economy. But if you're looking for corners, at least 10. 10 corners for Arsenal, three goals for Arsenal. Martinelli scores at least one of them. Uh, poor old Norwich. Asian handicap minus 1.5. Then for Arsenal pays 2.38. That can be your bet. And if they win for two goals margin, you win your bet. It's more interesting the next one. I think uh, Tottenham Crystal Palace because finally we saw as you analyzed before some contest stuff in the Spurs and they are competitive again. They can be a Champions League team next season and they are playing against a team that you also like a lot, like Crystal Palace. And when they were playing football games, they were able to draw against Southampton and beat Everton in the last two games. Yeah, this is a great game, actually. A really interesting game of football. Surprised to see Palace at 5-1. to one. I'd expect them about three. So that quite interest me just looking at it because I think that's quite high considering how well Palace have played this year. Might be on the strength of Tottenham's performance against Liverpool where they were better. You know what's interesting about Tottenham is they might have been lucky to have their COVID outbreak first because now everyone's having their COVID outbreak but everyone at Tottenham's had it and it would seem recovered hopefully um, and they should have a pretty strong first team out for this week whereas so many are missing a lot of their team. I like what Conte has got from Harry Kane. And I think the conversation's been had. Are you a striker or what, pal? 
Uh, I think that was the conversation that Antonio Conte and his team have had. And it's the conversation that I know Crystal Palace had with Christian Benteke. What are you? What's your number one skill? Scoring goals. We'll do that then. You, know, you might be our best header of the ball. You might be our best assist maker. You might be our best crosser. We don't care about that. We care about you scoring, which is the main, the hardest thing in football, scoring goals consistently in, in, in the way that Harry Kane has done. So Son and Kane is a front pair. Always a good combination when they're playing as a front two. That makes sense. Harry Winks back in good form because he's got a manager who doesn't hate him for the first time in two years. He reminds me a lot of Mark Noble, Harry Winks. And I mean that in, in, as the highest possible compliment in that he links to play well, but can also play those lovely chips over the top to runners, which he has in, in, in Hung Min Son, which is fantastic. Three at the back covers the deficiencies the many Spurs defenders have got. So a lot to like about Tottenham. But for Palace, you know, really big fan of, of the centre-half pairing they've got in Gay and Anderson. Conor Gallagher has been the star of the Premier League season, away from the obvious this year. I think he's been fantastic. Benteke scoring. Zahar looks a threat. I think he'll really make it difficult for the Spurs defence in this game. Very tough to predict. If you're pushing me, I go for football's most common score, 2-1 Tottenham. But I will be looking Tottenham win, both teams score, uh, and a very entertaining game of football. I, yeah, it looks interesting. One chuck said uh, Tottenham Asian handicap minus one. Be careful then with that. I was gonna, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that Tottenham were lucky because they were kicked out of the com, com, house well, conference yeah. cup, conference cup as well. Yeah, the they European Conference time. League, I think you'll find, is what it's known as. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a long storied and well respected competition. Of course, and with a long story, they can focus for sure in the Premier League. Then let's go. Both teams to score is for Andrios, by the way, in that game. Then let's go to very close, actually, from the Spurs ground. We go to the London Stadium, West Ham, Southampton, West Ham. After that defeat against Arsenal and Arsenal victories, they are getting a little bit away from the top four. But it's true that they haven't played since the 15th of December. So 10 days before this game is going to be played. West Ham, Southampton. Whereas for Southampton, I think they can be lucky to end up the year as they are right now. Six points away from the relegation. Although no victories also for them in the last six games. Uh, we are saying in the last weeks, Tom, that West Ham struggle against these kind of teams. Yes, and it is worth noting, as it is with Tottenham previously, that they face each other in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. And both will play their strongest team in that game. West Ham want to win it. Tottenham want to win it. So that there could be some, some ramifications from that going on to Boxing Day on Sunday. Look, West Ham... I think have been brilliant this season, brilliant performances, brilliant collective performances, but the entire first team defence is currently injured. Uh, well, Sufau is suspended because of that joke red card uh, in the Arsenal game. Pathetic decision by the referee. Uh, Cresswell injured, Zuma injured, Lugbonna injured. So the first choice defence is out and the first choice offence isn't doing it. Ben Rama stopped creating. Antonio stopped scoring. Um, Fornell's in and out. Lanzini in and out. Bowen in and out, you know, there's some issues now with West Ham. Apart from Socek and Rice, there's no consistency about West Ham currently, which was a cornerstone of their brilliant opening three months to this season. So I've got some doubts about West Ham winning this, actually. And as you say, it's the kind of game they have struggled in because they need those creative players to create. But they do have a good record against Southampton. They often beat Southampton. And often Southampton has proved to be the game West Ham have turned their season around a few times in recent years. So I'd back West Ham here. And as long as he's not injured on Wednesday, I'd back Antonio to get back to form here. 
I think the Southampton defence is the kind of defence that Antonio could bully in that he's quicker, he's stronger. And I think if you get bodies around him, I think he will worry that Southampton defence. For Southampton, what's interesting about their games is they seem to have a great flurry in the opening 20 minutes. They are such a classic uh, English team in many ways. But they also seem to follow that German kind of football model of win it in the first 20, then consolidate for 70. You know, Jurgen Klopp does it. That's his style. And it's no surprise that Ralph Hasenhutl, who is often seen as a student of Klopp, follows that kind of style as well. The trouble is um, Armstrong missing, Adams missing. That's the two the two forwards from the start of the season. Breuer's been great. Uh, some say Brozier, but I'm told it's Breuer up front and, and he's scoring brilliant individual goals. Um, but getting him the ball is difficult. And often they rely on a bit of James Ward, Prowse slash Beckham magic for them, to, for them to get back into games. I'd fancy West Ham here. Look, I think it is going to turn for West Ham. I think they need reinforcement and rest. I think they will get that. But I think the current West Ham team is good enough to win here. I think Southampton could score one because of the, le- the, the weakness of West Ham's defence. But I think West Ham will score at least two, maybe three. Double up with Antonio wins. And again, if you like the corners market, I know you do. Go for West Ham to score from a corner as well because they're due one and they're very, very good at it. West Ham score from a corner and win by at least three goals to one. Over 2.5 for Raymond. It pays 1.7, not a lot. And Andrijos is, <laughs> he likes Jarmolenko. I think you don't, Tom. He's Ukrainian. I'm sorry to say this, but Yarmolenko Andrios. is rubbish. Andrios is a friend from Ukraine, so I guess he likes his... Well, uh, I, w- I mean, I wish you well. I'm sure he's a lovely person, but he belongs playing back in Ukraine. He's, I believe, West Ham's highest paid player and doesn't get off the bench. What does that tell you? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go to Aston Villa, to Birmingham. Aston Villa, Chelsea, because, oh my God, when I was checking these odds, uh, how juicy can be this double chance for Aston Villa, especially because Chelsea are not able to win a football game Lately, they only won, the, they only beat Leeds, and it was in the last minute because of a penalty. They are falling from the champions' battle, six points away from Man City. And as we know, Aston Villa are doing great things with Steven Gerrard. They only lost and very close against Liverpool and Man City. Double chance, for instance, or directly Aston Villa to win. Uh, well, absolutely. Take the double chance now. Like, take that right now, because that may well change before the weekend. So don't delay. Take the double chance, because fantastic odds. Fantastic odds for that. I would also be looking at Villa to win here as well. I mean, around sixes, and that usually goes up before the weekend. But I think it will go down, because I think that's quite surprising at the moment, that that's what the odds currently are on average. Villa have played fantastically well under Steven Gerrard. They have had a real boost from Steven Gerrard. They're not doing anything different to what they were doing under Dean Smith in terms of tactics. But I think that the players just didn't want to work for Dean Smith anymore. And that's unacceptable. And I think he probably would have turned it around. But they have a reverence for Steven Gerrard. And we're seeing the benefits of that. Plus, players have been fit again. Dean Smith had incredible bad luck. No Watkins, no Ings for such a long time. No Traore. You know, so many players missing for him. Injuries now, though, uh, it, it's worth noting that Marvellous Nakamba is going to miss the rest of the season. He's been good recently. Buendia is a doubt. Traore remains out. Leon Bailey has offered nothing since coming in. El Ghazi is missing. You know, Sanson has offered nothing since coming in. So there are players missing. The core of the first team that's been brilliant recently is there, which is McGinn, it's Mings, it's Watkins, it's the goalkeeper, it's Target, it's Cash, good players, uh, all fit, raring to go. For Chelsea, what I'd tell you last week, weren't going to score. What I'd tell you the week before that, not going to score. Uh, and I'll do it again now. I ain't going to score. 
They're not going to score a goal, this Chelsea team. Uh, here's the absentees. Havertz likely missing. Loftus-Cheek likely missing. Lukaku likely missing. Werner, Hudson-Odoi. Chilwell definitely missing. Chalabru played in midfield the other day, likely missing. Ziyech. Jorginho is a doubt. Andreas Christensen is missing. Look, I, I'd be surprised if Chelsea went ahead with, with, with this list. However, double chance it. Villa and draw. But I'd look Villa outright win here. Looking Ooh. at the odds and looking at what's happening, looking at the injuries, I think Villa beat Chelsea. I think Villa beat Chelsea and Watkins scores. And I would be looking by at least two goals to nil in favour of Aston Villa for this win. For the double chance, we have 2.25 actually. But of course, Aston Villa to win is around six right now. Really good odds. Uh, Andrios is going against your prediction uh, with both teams to score. Yes, very unlikely in the last uh, Chelsea games. And the last game we have on the 26 is uh, Brighton Brentford. We always like the draws with Brighton, and probably this is another one, eight draws uh, this season. Unfortunately for me, actually, the last game was a defeat against Wolverhampton because mm. I bet on a draw. Uh, 11 winless games, by the way, for Brighton. Last victory was the 19th of September, long time ago. And when with uh, Brentford, uh, uh, after a crisis, they are back again on track. Only one defeat in the last five. Smell like a draw? Is it a draw? Uh, you, you steal my thunder again. You know me too well. It's going to be a draw and I'll be backing a draw. I mean, it's 3.62, 3.5 everywhere for a reason. Everyone fancies the draw here. The draw is usually four and above. Everybody fancies the draw. This is going to be a draw. But I tell you what, looking at the odds, play it safe if you want. Double chance it with Brentford and draw because Brighton ain't going to win. Brighton aren't winning. You mentioned the 11. I, I can't see him winning anytime soon because, firstly, the players missing. Lewis Dunk, Stephen Alzate, Adam Webster, Shane Duffy, Ipesuma, Danny Welbeck, Jeremy Sarmiento, Neil Mope, Pascal Gross, Jürgen Nakardia, uh, and Joel Veltman. So that's the first team, pretty much. Uh, and they're all going to be missing. And uh, for Brentford, broadly similar, but that's clearing up, thankfully, at long last. Tony will hopefully be back after COVID because he's at it early uh, compared to other teams that have got it a little bit late. Uh, Christopher Ayer is still missing for this one. Zanker is missing. David Ray is missing. So still got some players out, but the majority are back now for Brentford, apart from the goalkeeper who we knew was going to be missing for a long time. So don't back Brighton. They just can't win. They just don't score. They lack a bravery in games as well, to go out and win it at the end when they've been on top for long spells. They want to do 500 passes when a shot will do. And I think that is a symptom of Graham Potter and the way he likes to play football. And, and that's going to be an issue for Brighton until someone comes in and takes that narrative away. That's going to keep on happening. And Brentford, they're so physical. And without Dunk, Duffy and Webster, which is the centre-halves, I think they could unsettle Brighton. So double chance it, Brentford win and the draw. Then double chance for Brentford in this game. Actually, that pays 1.96, around two. Very good odds. One chunk is going for a draw. As we said, draw, good odds, uh, 3.62. Although we expected uh, more from a draw, but this is very likely. And our last game is going to be played on the 27th of Monday, Newcastle, Man United, as we said. With uh, Conte arriving to Tottenham, no, maybe it's also positive for Man United to have this break. And Ravnik had some time to train with the players, although the first two games were victories. And I guess we should expect another victory here against Newcastle. Easy one, Asian handicap for Man United or not? 
Oh, that's that's the toughest bit because obviously Man United win this. So take Man United win in all ways. I'm personally not brave to go more than maybe plus 1.5 for Manchester United only because they're, the system doesn't quite work. Rashford and Ronaldo doesn't work as a pairing. I'm not seeing too many green shoots in terms of what Rangnick has, has brought to this point. Um, it's better than it was, but it was diabolical. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure he's got the players to deliver what he wants at this moment in time. I'm not sure he's found his team yet. No criticism, really, because it's been a few weeks and, uh, you know, COVID hit and it was just awfully managed and awfully run club before he arrived. So no great criticism of that, but it is worth noting when, when you're really backing Man U, they will thrash somebody at some point, uh, but it won't be this Newcastle. The great news is this is one of the last games where we're going to see this Newcastle because they'll obviously, it'll be chaos in January for them, but they are going to buy some players mm. and it'll be the end of this turgid Newcastle. Defensively, I mean, the first goal against Man City was abomination. Kieran Clark shouldn't be playing in the Premier League. And I mean that with, all the respect I can I can muster for someone who's obviously dedicated to his craft, but he's playing way above himself. He's a championship League One player playing in the Premier League against Man City. You know, of course he showed himself up. So Newcastle are going to lose this game by at least two. I'm not braver than that. I don't think Newcastle score even against this average Man United defence. I think Man United win it reasonably comfortably and as ever, double it up with Ronaldo to score as well. Well, Man United were only able to score one goal against Norwich. And the good news for the Newcastle is that they are only three points away from Watford. So they are still alive uh, despite the terrible first uh, round of fixtures that they've done. Then, Tom, let's see your ACA for this um, Boxing Day. Well, I'm, I always try and get to around five to one, as you know, with these ACAs to make it worthwhile. There's three clear winners, which don't make you a great deal of money. That's Liverpool will beat Leeds, Man City will beat Leicester, and Arsenal will win at Norwich. They're all around about two, two and a half, so not really useful. I'm going to double that up with a draw between Aston Villa and Chelsea. If you do that, that really brings it up to what, around nine to one here. Now, that is pretty decent. I know I, I've kind of picked Villa to win, but I would also look double chance in that game. The odds kind of swayed me live at the time. But draw is the most likely outcome in that game. And that is a pretty tasty acker by anyone's recommendation. Let's see. Let's hope that we can see all 10 games in the Boxing Day. Let's, that's the important thing. Then, Tom, thank you. Of course. Merry Christmas. See you Ooh. next week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Because the Premier League is not stopping, as we all know. Thanks, everyone, also for watching. And don't forget to... Like the video and subscribe, Tom. See you very soon. Bye.